Hey, Cast Chasers, Christina here. We'll start the show in just a moment, but first we wanted to tell you about a new, award-winning, four-grain straight bourbon whiskey that's been taking the market by storm, Penelope Bourbon. Penelope's balanced yet flavorful taste profile comes from a unique blend of three bourbon mash bills. Currently available in three expressions, four grain, barrel strength, and toasted, Penelope is remarkably smooth and flavorful. So whether you're sipping neat or using it in your favorite cocktail, Penelope is perfect for you. Penelope Bourbon is available in select markets as well as online at PenelopeBourbon.com. Hello, this is Richard Crawford from Leave No Trace TV. Pour a dram and settle in. This is the Cash Chasers Podcast. guys guess what 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 chicken butt oh my god ah. how could you not come on i'm a i'm a mom now i'm not allowed to make like chicken, mom jokes and stuff gosh. bobby's like that's why how we're here? starting this episode <laughs> okay all right guess what chicken butt you there know go. i'm gonna uh, call it that that's the name yeah guess what chicken guess butt. What? <laughs> poor ricky <laughs> with, 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 i guess he's gonna love it uh, 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 second guessing all of his life decisions right now <laughs> No, I just wanted to, you know, keep you guys on your toes, really, because um, even though we have a Cash Chasers repeat guest coming on, which we're very excited about today, and we're going to be sampling some scotches that we've talked with him about previously, this is a fresh conversation because it's the first time the three of us have had it with him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, actually, the the, per- the person we're about to have, we're having on today, um, when like COVID and everything was first brand new. Um, and it, you know, it still had that new COVID smell. Um, fresh we, out of the package. Fresh out of the package, COVID. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Rit, Rit, I mean, Richard Crawford is, is who we're having on, but he was our very spoilers. first. Yeah, spoilers. Our, our very first sort of Zoom call tasting situation that we, because we said, well, you know, we have these monthly tasting meetings that we do when we get together. We don't want to shut them down. Let's Let's switch something to virtual and richard was you know gracious enough at that time to come on but we didn't know what the heck we were doing with all that sort of thing so that those have been lost so that was a a private tasting and get together for those of you that were there with us then so feel privileged for that um so that never really saw the light of day and then recently we did a um we did a live event for him here at uh the state theater of haberty grace and that was a blast and we were just, we had to get him on the show and this yeah. like like katie said this is the first time all three of us are together talking to richard so, yeah. so bobby do you remember that initial um like the private tasting aaron was just talking about oh yeah 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 that no, was a great time richard has a comedy-esque to him that makes it fun <laughs> and like but you know there's a it's almost like we're in a serious tasting, but there is a joke around the corner. And the whole time you're tasting, you're just like, okay, it's coming. It's coming. There's the pun. And then he lands. It's that's what I like. It's fun. Yeah. It's funny. And it's just a great time. I'm I'm bummed that I missed the uh, the live event, but I, I watched some video some people took for me and sent it to me and uh, which made me even more bummed. He was he's always on the game. Well, he's we always brought him on back the show. for you specifically. Yeah, that's right. So, I know. I'm kidding. This is, I didn't get you anything for your birthday. So that, here's <laughs> one of those. Yeah. All right, guys. Sorry, well, let's not scotch. Well, 
It is in so many forms. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a Scott. It, it is, is a Scott. Yeah. It is a Scott. Bump, jump out of a, you know, whiskey bottle. Anyway, <laughs> here Check, with us today. Butt. Yep, exactly. <laughs> On a roll. <laughs> we have with us Mr. Richard Crawford of Leave No Trace TV. Ricky, welcome back to the show. <laughs> Ooh, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I, I believe Bobby just called me a clown. He, no, he said, right. But like a French-trained clown. Like a, <laughs> a, like a, you know what I mean? Like a pro. And, all, and also, Aaron, I, I think what would be because, so we were pioneers for, for the Zoom, um, mm. you know, the whole Zoom thing. Would that make us zoom in ears? Is that what we yeah, can call absolutely. it? Absolutely. See, that's what I'm talking absolutely. about. Now. Yeah. You get those in a Zoom in ear shop. At the, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's where this gold. Yeah. It's fantastic to be on. I, I always have a blast around you guys, so I'm definitely looking forward to today's conversation. I think it'll be a good one, especially because, uh, as I mentioned before, we've got a couple bottles in front of us that um, you'd actually helped us curate on the on the live show and selecting what we wanted to taste. There's a little bit of a story behind each of them. So, do you guys want to go ahead and dive straight in, or what so, you thinking? Let, let, yeah, let's let's drink. Let's change it up. Let's drink a little first, and then we'll talk a little, Richard. <laughs> Talk, not little Richard. We're not talking no, little I, Richard. Honestly, no, you know what? Let's talk about little Richard on today's show. Is, is today is underrated. Chicken butt think... with little Richard. All right. There we go. This is excellent. <laughs> so, Richard, what do you which one do you have in front of you to start? So I have I have the Glenlivet 12 in front of me to start with, um, which as, as you guys know, um was kind of my uh, my break into the Scotch whiskey industry. I, I represented Glenlivet for a very long time here in the United States and still still love the brand, um, still promote it every day, even though I don't, I don't actually work for them. But it's just one of those really, really, I, I hate to use the word standard because it's, it's above a standard whiskey. It, it's a really excellent expression that totally represents the Speyside area. And I think, um, you know, Speyside being the northeast part of Scotland, most distilleries coming out of there. I think the Glenlivet is one of the traditional whiskeys out of there that truly represents that region. It was my first gifted single malt. And I, I came, my my intro into uh, Scotch whiskey was blended Johnny Walker back in the younger days. But the first bottle ever gifted to me was, you know, by my a Marine friend of mine named Seth. Thank you for your service. Thank you for my service. Uh, he gave me a, a bottle of uh, Glenlivet 12 year. And I, I can honestly say that's kind of where it all took off from because that's when I started. Well, I got to get something and the collection grew. So there's some nostalgia there for me as well. So that's 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 pretty cool. I think that's actually quite a common story for a lot of people who mm. are now who now enjoy single malt. Scott, I think Glenlivet was a starting point for a lot of people. It's very approachable. It's very balanced mm. um, for a lot of different palates. It does, unfortunately, get the gets the moniker of, oh, it's the Bud Light of Scotch whiskeys, which which is a shame. Oh, no. I, I've heard it. I've heard it often, and people were like, because it is the number one single malt sold in the United States. Sounds like I'm still working for them, doesn't it? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it, is, it is the number one. And people say, well, it's the number one. You know, everybody, everybody likes it. You have to ask, is it the number one because, you know, it's the Budweiser of whiskey, so to speak. Or is it the number one because it's really, really good and everybody right. likes it, right? right. So, I would say it's that one. I, yeah, I think I, it's I, I, would agree. I would agree with that, too. They know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. And this one specifically is the Double Oak. What we're having, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we've got the, the uh, Glenlivet 12 Double Oak. We have a liter of it somehow. I don't know how that happens. Is, is that the new thing in the, in the U.S. for... 
because I pulled this bottle out and I was like, this is enormous. And it's a, it's a liter bottle. It's not a 750 milliliter like I'm used to. Um, but it's a giant bottle and I'm um, buying in bulk for better appreciation. There you go. Okay. But yeah. Did, so somebody, got, buy, did somebody buy it for you, Aaron? And if they did, were, they probably God they, knows how we get whiskey. <laughs> it just shows up. They may have come through travel retail. If you, if you do a travel retail, duty free store, coming back from the UK and stuff mm. or whatever, it's usually, it's usually liter bottles. I would like to hear, Richard, just a little bit about um, if we could get into, and I know we did this a little bit on the live show. Talk about you, how you got into whiskey initially and how Glenlivet was part of that. And then we can sort of taste along with it as well. Yep, sure. So as I mentioned before, um, Glenlivet was my was my introduction to, to single malt scotch from a career point of view. But my dad and my uncle both worked in the scotch whiskey industry, I think for 25 years. They, they worked for uh, William Grant and Son. So they worked for Grant's and, and Glenfiddich. Uh, and that kind of stuff. So I, I did have an opportunity when I left high school to to spend some time in a warehouse and, and do a little bit of work. But I didn't have the appreciation for single malt scotch back then when I was seventeen. So, I, <laughs> long story short, I, I ended up coming to the United States and uh, and uh, attending the University of Alabama. So you know, if some people out there. Yeah, if some people out there have sharp skills, listening skills, they might hear a little southern drawl in this. <laughs> Sometimes I see you all. Is that is that southern enough? Yeah, y'all yeah, yeah, yeah. in Y'all, yeah. Y'all will get it done. That even happened in Maryland a bit too. Uh, but but ultimately, ultimately, in the industry itself, but Scotch whiskey um, was being represented. In the story being told in the states about twenty years ago. What what the brands were doing was they were hiring these local actors in different cities, giving them a script basically, um, and telling them to put on an accent in some instances and tell the story. And that was the ambassadorship of whiskey back then. Um, myself and you guys are familiar with a gentleman called Simon Brooking with Lafroy. Um, icon. I'm not, you can't see me here, but I'm bowing down to the man. He, he's incredible. But just him and I about the same time were both hired by the two biggest brands in their, their sector. I was Glenn Limit, he was Lafroy. And they said, you know what, this is more genuine. These are two Scottish guys who have an understanding of the Scotch whiskey industry who can stand up and tell the story. Let's send them out across the United States and and do their thing. And it worked. Um, the, the audience and the general public really, really accepted it and, and really enjoyed turning up to these tastings and hearing the story from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Um, and from there, the ambassador programs and all the brands have kind of grown exponentially. And, and now it, it's the point of contact for most people who are getting into single malt scotch now is going along, at least up until COVID, obviously, but even through the virtual stuff now. A lot of people's first point of contact and tasting scotch whiskey and not just tasting it, but getting an appreciation for it and understanding it a little more, which is what the brands want you to do. Is coming now from the ambassadorship programs that all the brands have. So it, it was, I, I feel really honored to have been an early part of that. You sound, I love that you sound so passionate about it. I mean, I'm imagining just as passionate as when you actually started in the ambassador role. And I guess one thing that I want to uh, ask you, if you had had your choice of which distilleries you could represent, you know, before maybe being uh, recruited by Glenlivet, would you have landed with Glenlivet? I think so. I really do. Um, Glenlivet's story is fascinating. Well, to be honest, all the brands have a fascinating story. But Glenlivet, 
was also part of a <laughs> the, the other oh perk that came with working for Glenn Lennon was it's part of a, a bigger umbrella, which we don't often talk about. And the big umbrella companies don't want you to talk about, but Pernod Ricard is one of the umbrella companies over Glenlivet who also own Jameson Whiskey um, and some other fine brands out there. So I actually got to be a part of that a little bit too. So overall, you know, I think I would still do the same thing. Well, we appreciate the expertise you bring to it. Um, when we're talking about doing a tasting, so it's it's interesting because in the first setting that you kind of interacted with Cast Chasers, when it was the Zoom tasting with a broader audience, I think, you know, in that instance, you're you're kind of playing to a variety of the attendees that you have on and you have to steer the conversation to the audience in that instance. The last time we spoke with you, we did have a live audience in front of us and there were a few questions peppered in. But again, you're kind of playing to the audience that's there in tailoring the tasting. So we're we're kind of privileged in this instance. It's really just a small group of us that can take this any direction that we would like to so well, the listeners are here too in their car that's true so so go ahead and pull no, <laughs> yeah. pour, pour your drink into your pull to-go over cup. right but i want to get your guys thoughts on some things that we enjoy about glenlivet in this tasting that we don't get to talk about much so i i i wanted to talk about a, a little bit sort of just as uh just as Richard said, it's a it's one it's one of the what I like to call a gateway whiskey, a gateway Scotch whiskey. Um, it's one that I refer to a lot of people um, that are maybe into bourbon, right? Because it's got some of those sweeter notes. I mean, it's not this you know like uh, molasses, vanilla, caramel thing that you expect from bourbon, but it's a little more approachable. Um, there's a handful of brands that I that I will initially. Uh, sort of kick bourbon or even even some wine drinkers over to first of all, and that would be Glen Livet. Glen Morangy is a big one that that I'll that I'll point people to. Very 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 approachable, and it's just it's all around a really great whiskey for a pretty stinking inford- affordable price as well. You know what I mean? It's you're you're not going to break the bank on it. It's going to give you a good a great representation of uh, not only not only the Speyside region, but I think Scotch whiskey in general. You know, it's just, it'll give you a whole lot of different notes that you're going to find there. And yeah, you're not going to find this, you know, heavy peat, heavy smoke, that kind of thing. But that's one of the things that I think sh- uh, makes people shy away from it. And I know that when we had tasted this before, we were getting, you know, different fruit notes and all of that on the nose. It's something that I come back to and I really do kind of get different notes every time I try it. Yeah. Not to say that I don't, you know, when I try any whiskey based on what I have eaten that day, you know, other drinks I've had. I just had a a roast beef sandwich uh, recently and also a small meatball sub I'm eating for two. So it, it, it's doing different things for me now than it might be if, if I had a more, quote, clean palate. That That's one of my favorite things about it is that it is approachable. It's something that I can hand to anybody. And nobody's going to look at it and be like, oh, that's all you have or something. Right, you know, right. it, it's, it's very approachable, but very respected. And I just like it. Richard, I want to ask you a question. We didn't get to talk about this. In doing some of my research on Glenlivet in general, I came across a story of its founder and how he basically was right at the cusp of when Scotch whiskey started turning from kind of a, an off the road, off the beaten path type of approach to something that was more structured, overseen by the government with fines and everything like this. And so the founder, was his name George Smith? George Smith, yeah. George Smith. So at this point, he's making a lot of enemies because everybody that had been you know, making whiskey on the side got upset that he was playing into the scheme with the British government and everything. So he started making a lot of enemies. And the one story I uncovered is that in his travels, 
he came into this uh, this pub on the side of the road, had all the scotch with him, had all of this money from the sale of the scotch. And these guys came up to him like they were brandishing to rob him and just like make a fuss and mess with him. Right. And so this guy pulls out the revolver in his in his you know side pocket, lays it on the table and then fires a bullet into the fireplace as just like a your guys move and then goes back to sipping his scotch. And he wasn't robbed. I can understand why. Definitely quite the character. And, you know, there's the, the stories of him sleeping with his two pistols. He had two pistols. Um, yeah. and, they're still, and by the way, there's a, there's a wonderful archive department at Glenlivet back in Scotland. And those pistols are in that archive. And yeah, he was, he was quite the, he was also quite the pioneer and quite the ambassador um, for Scotch whiskey. And well, he was making, he was making whiskey like everybody else illegally before, you know, 1823, before mm-hmm. the Excise Act was passed, which basically just made it more affordable uh, and a much more legal approach to making whiskey on, on a commercial scale. Um, and he, he was one of the first ones to, to get the license, um, to, to make a legal whiskey. He, he was again, making it before that. Most of the Good distillers, you know, today we're all making illegal whiskey until that point. Um, but he perfect, perfected it, but he had come a long way on producing a really good whiskey. And so, yes, when he decided that he was going to legalize it, it obviously hurt a lot of the people who are still illegally making the whiskey from a sales point of view, stuff like that. So he made a lot of enemies. It's a good thing he had those two pistols then, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I'd like, I'd like to think that any beverage that started off with criminals is the one I want to get behind. Right? And- oh, yeah. But I, that's I, my, I have a t- tattoo that says that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always ask, was this originally a criminal organization? Yes, right. then yeah, I'll, drink I'll, it. I'll take it. Because um, I, I think it's, I get the idea of going legal. You know what I mean? Because, um, are you in the middle of an enterprise? It's a that you're really weird this? sentence. I need to take I, a step back for a second. I may be I making the concept. I go, may be going legal, making mm-hmm. whiskey. Look. It, you, you're, you've been to America. We have mountains. We have people doing things in the mountains. We wouldn't have mason jars full of clear liquid if it wasn't for that same yeah, mentality yeah, yeah, enterprise. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm. Here's my opinion with Fun Limit. I think I relate it to like music. There's a group of people out there that the people that are kind of shit on Glen Livet or brands like that. They're the same people that they only listen to underground bands. You know what I mean? Oh. Like they don't want to listen to. That's like, you like that, I right? Mean, yeah, like yeah. Metallica is a great band. You know what I mean? But they're too big. They're too, they're too you know, mainstream. Too mainstream. I want this stuff that's, you know, who's this little distillery that's still, you know, barely making it or doing it by hand or whatever the story is behind it. Because everybody that I've ever met, you pour them a glass of Glenlivet. If I go to a bar, I know if you go to a bar, you're not Glenlivet's on the shelf. Right. So you're getting a glass of Glenlivet yeah. and you're enjoying it. So I kind of think it's BS when people, you know, put it as a, um, what, what did you say earlier? He he said it oh, was the like Bud Light. The Bud Light yeah. of, that's not true. It's no. it's a good whiskey. You're just being. I only listen to you know this band I found in the subway, right? The, right. You know whatever. That's what that is. So I'm just going to get that out on the table. I, it's I love a great that, whiskey. I love that angle though because I think there's something to be said about appreciating a classic for a classic, right? And I think you know depending on the type of drinker you are or whiskey enthusiast you yeah. are, maybe you want to stick with the classic most of the time. Maybe sometimes you need to come back to it to appreciate what it brings to the table. But the fact that you can come back to it, and as Aaron said, you get something a little different every time you te- or taste it, that you probably are finding yourself in a different you know, social environment each time. There's its own story every time you right. open a bottle. 
And it's not a it's not a whiskey that you're the price point. I'm not scared to do something. I don't wit I don't mix scotch. Just I haven't found a scotch that mm-hmm. mixes well yet. But I'll throw ice in it. I'm not afraid to yeah to mess yeah. with this either. So wow. I can have neat. I can have I can do stuff to it. It's not it's not that a hundred two hundred three hundred dollar bottle that I'm like well I got to pour a half ounce of this and then put it away for another year. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it gives you that freedom too. So. I think, I think it's a good, I think it's also a good barometer whiskey, what I call a good barometer whiskey. So from this, you know, like I said, very, very approachable. And from there, if you move on in your whiskey journey and you start to taste different things, you have something to compare it to. You know, you're like, oh, you know, like this, this, you know, Balvini that I have compares to my Glenlivet that I had kind of like this. It's a little more fruity or it has a little more uh, aromatics to it or whatever, but it's never a bad barometer. No, if you if you find somebody specifically that's not a peat fan, you know, mm-hmm. and they're new to whiskey, that Glenmorangie, something that's where we're starting them. We're and telling that, you know. That, what I, mean? I, I think the bur- the barometer as a word, I, I've said it way less eloquently before, but Glenlivet is one of those where in, not not just in the taste, not just in the notes, but I'll drink something and I'm like, yeah, I, re- I really do like this. What does it cost? And it costs like ninety dollars, but I like Glenlivet better. And Glenlivet's only costing me thirty thirty five. Why did I just spend ninety dollars? You know, so like, I mean, and, and not to say that it's not a fantastic value because it absolutely is, but it's. I think on all points, it's a it's a good barometer, just yeah. all all around. Yeah. So it's, it's certainly a good value. I, I have been years since I worked for Glenlivet. Recently, I actually went to. I haven't had to buy much whiskey in my life. It's one of the perks, <laughs> obviously. But I did recently. I did go to purchase some. And I remember going in and picking up a bottle of Glenlivet and saying, "Oh my God, this is hardly increased in price since I left." But that yeah. you know, that's twelve years ago. I'm like, "This this thing is hardly changed in price. How can you do this?" But they've done a good. They're still producing a good whiskey. So yeah. So Richard, you've had a lot of experience with kind of going through a luxury and eco-friendly type of travel approach and experiencing all kinds of places around the world, uh, places to stay, places to enjoy while you're traveling. I would love to know more about how your experience with Glenlivet, especially given kind of that barometer feel of scotch that we were just talking about, how that played into your luxury travel experience and just kind of, you know, painting the picture of what that could look like for anybody who wants to be a part of that. You know, what as an ambassador or as a basically what you are for a brand is you're a storyteller, right? So I'm in I'm in a room full of people, we're tasting whiskey all night long, and at the end we're doing a QA. And for the most part, 70% of the questions wasn't even about the whiskey itself. It was about the story behind it. It wasn't about the actual what they were tasting and smelling and nosing. There was not a lot of questions about that. It was more about, hey, um, you know, tell me a little bit more about the history of, of this brand or tell me what they're doing today at the distillery. And then some of the questions were like, hey, where are you going next? Oh, I love your shoes. Where did you get them? Hey, that's a really cool tie. Oh, man, your watch is really cool. And I, I started to realize that the whiskey was actually part of a bigger lifestyle, mm-hmm. uh, which it is. M- most people who enjoy a good single malt scotch or even a good wine or whatever it is, something that, that has a little bit of quality to it, usually it's part of their bigger lifestyle. And for me personally, I realized that I could start my own business and go out there and present to crowds and, and be, you know, be a brand advocate for a lifestyle rather than just one single aspect of it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I left when, when I... I you know, handing in my notice, there was no ill parting ways. There was no getting fired or getting in a big breakup. And I left. I literally said one day, I think I could take this to the next level from a storytelling point of view. I want to tell a bigger, broader story. 
and I'm going to go ahead and start my own company, which I did. I, I remember people were like, you're crazy. You have the best job in the world. Like, why would you want to leave this? I like, it's been great. It's been fantastic. But it's just, I think there's a, a next step for me. And that's what it was. And then I went from representing, doing like a lot of consumer events, tastings and watches and fashion and travel and all that stuff. And then uh, eventually, you know, met a guy out of Sydney, Australia, who was a producer and said, hey, we should, you know, do a little bit concentrating on some maybe high-end travel, uh, which we did. And we went out and did a couple of episodes of, uh, what was it called? It was called, um, shoot, the name will come back to me, but it was about high-end travel. And then we realized we needed a deeper story than that. People were like, I'm not just going to watch this guy go off and do all this high-end stuff and I'm not (laughs) going to do it. So we needed to add a little depth to it. uh, And we realized a lot of the places we're going to had really, really um, high uh, ethics when it came to eco and sustainability and local cultures and communities and stuff like that and we wanted to tell that story and it was becoming much more relevant anyway so we felt like the timing was good um and it was a lot it was a lot more fun to dig deeper than just the the luxurious aspect of it hi do you like tequila right sometimes Okay. Well, we're not talking about tequila. We're talking about something that I think is even better than tequila. What? It's called mezcal. Oh. <laughs> I know you don't like mezcal, mm. but I absolutely love mezcal. I know. And Impex has a new line called Mal de Amor. Okay. And I don't speak Spanish, but I know amor means love, and I love mezcal. Fantastic. And so what the cool thing about this brand is they're focusing on wild agaves, mm-hmm. right? And it's all made in a very artisanal style. Great. And it's delicious. That sounds fantastic. Should I, do I have to say any more? I don't think so. I think that pretty much does it. Well, I will say they do madraquiche, tobala, right? Tepestate. I mean, all these things, these are exciting words to you. Uh, I'm excited. <laughs> you know what I'm excited about? What? Our partnership with Cast Chasers Podcast. Impex is really proud to be a partner. Great. <laughs> No, it's a great show. I, I I watch it and I push it on everybody I know. I mean, to see you staying in a place hanging off the side of a mountain <laughs> in itself is worth uh is worth it. But um do you do you bring or do you find cool spirits while you're out? Are you still plugged into the spirits game when you're when you were out on these on these well, adventures? For sure. Um in fact in season two, uh, which we're starting to film in March, I'm going down to Belize. Um, uh, to a Kapala rum distillery. It's a it's a it's a lodge. It's a, it's an eco lodge down there. It's built on the land of sugarcane and, and a rum distillery. So we'll get to to hang out and do that. In season one, we actually went back to Scotland, but not for Scotch whiskey. Although ultimately, it's a Scotch whiskey distillery. But we went to the Outer Hebrides to Harris, and I fell in love with their gin. Their gin was literally, hey, we just built this new distillery in this small community. It's going to take eight to 12 years for the whiskey to mature. We're making it every day, but we need some income. What are we going to do? Let's make some gin and put it on the market. Put it on the market, they do, and it becomes the number one gin, voted the number one gin in the UK for the last two or three years straight. Um, so that's a really cool story. And their whiskey, by the way, is now coming to fruit. They're about eight years in, and I'm really, really excited yeah, about how their whiskey is going cool. to be. 
That's really as, cool. As soon as we get some of that, we need to do we need to do a podcast episode. We will. Okay. Yeah, we will. Yeah. Because I, well, I mean, right. you 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 hear a lot about Harris Gin, and I mean, it's it's like iconic. You know, it's, it's iconic yeah. now. To hear that their whiskey is coming to fruition is extremely exciting to and, me. And that's a big just to show you how good their whiskey is probably going to be. That's a big feat because a lot of places, specifically in the U.S., but a lot of places start with gin. I mean, it's kind of the you know, cocktail bar, we make gin or vodka, depending. And while we wait for our whiskey to, you know, to, to, yeah, to you got to keep the lights finish. on. Right? Yeah. Right. So to be, to come out of that with the top selling gin, because it was a byproduct of we just need to a make money. Away spirit, yeah. I mean, <laughs> obviously they're put passion, they put passion. So I'm really curious to see, hopefully it's not garbage. Cause I just said all that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what, you know, that the one little thing that makes it unique is one of the botanicals that they use or one of the ingredients they use outside of what you would regularly use for gin is seaweed. Sugar. Oh. Cow. And, and then in the episode that we did, I actually went diving with the, they, they hired one guy who's, who's out there all winter long, just, Putting his dive, he, he's he's an ex diver. I think he was in the military and then did a lot of work on the rigs and stuff. Um, and he goes out there and he collects sugar kelp for them. He's, he's actually okay. quite a That's I call dibs on that job. Like yeah. I just uh, I can't actually be a mermaid, so I can be a seaweed harvester well, for it, it, whiskey. It is it is cold. Yeah, I was. <laughs> that's what that was my first time. That sounds cold. It's it suits <laughs> for that. It's fine. <laughs> for for those of some people have heard this story, but when Richard and I first met. I, it was randomly out of the blue, serendipitous, serendipitous, serendipity duda in a liquor $25 store. $25 word right That's there. Right, in a liquor store in Hocassin, Delaware, earlier in the morning than I should have been in a liquor store. And I walk in and the I, I knew I knew the the liquor store owner, Amrish. We've we've talked about Amrish before. And I walk in and Amrish kind of like looks over at me and he like does this like craning motion with his neck, like, come over here, come over here. So I, I go over, I walk, I walk over and there's Richard and he's peddling the wares um, that he was at that point, which was Dalmore and Jorah. And I had had, I had had some Dalmore uh, previously and I was a fan. And this was actually the first time I was introduced into Jorah. And this was only a couple of years ago. Uh, Richard, um, maybe a year and a half, something like that ago. And I, I was, I had so much fun and enjoyed talking with Richard so much that I instantly like friended him on social media and, and, and we got to talking. Not only does Richard have passion for the whiskey, the travel, everything he, he gets into, he's also, he's not like, just peddling stuff for the sake of peddling stuff or promoting stuff for the sake of promoting stuff. It's good stuff. And yeah, I mean, uh, um, taste is relative, I guess, but by the same token, it's, it's, it's all quality stuff. One of the things I, one of the reasons I really like talking to Richard is because he has such a depth and breadth of knowledge about not only whiskey, but spirits in general, travel stories, dear God, the stories, it's always an, an absolute pleasure and I, I believe that liquor store did wind up picking up the jura and everything yeah. as well i so how on and on through your your whiskey journey i know and and this happens to a, a, a decent number of brand ambassadors because once you get into it you just see that there's so much more there and you just the, the whiskey world is really smaller than people realize just the people you know and it's very rare that i'm talking to you know someone 
like you or a brand ambassador or a, a, a president of a, of a distillery or whatever, that they don't know a decent handful of the other people that I've also talked to. Can you talk about that a little bit and sort of how you, how you wound up with Jura and, and all of the, all of those other things as well? Yeah, I um so I had not worked for a brand for, for quite a while specifically. I'd been working again, going out there and doing a bunch of tastings and sponsored by a lot of the brands and telling their story. Um and then the opportunity came up where in the area that I happened to be living in, in, in the DC, you know, Arlington area, that that they, they needed a representative for Dalmore and Jura um on a little bit more of a long term uh or more than just a hey, go out there a couple of nights a week and, and, and do your thing. And I I actually, to be dead honest with you, uh, did not know that much about Jura at the time. Dalmore, I had quite a, an in-depth knowledge of. Jura, I didn't know much about it. And I started to dig and I started to peel back the onion a little bit. And I was fascinated, absolutely fascinated. And then actually got to go, as working with Jura, got to go to this little island, which I'll, I'll describe in a minute because it's important for the experience of, of drinking the Jura that I believe we're going to drink next. Um, and it just... It was such a really cool story. I wanted to tell it. It's as simple as that. I wanted to get out there and tell that as many people as I could about this wonderful, wonderful little distillery. And I, again, I didn't know much about it. I never, there's a lot of us in the industry who have been around for a long time. We would never claim to know everything about every whiskey. If anybody ever claims that, then, you know, cut them off. Yeah, <laughs> tell absolutely. them to get out of your show. <laughs> you haven't met that person yet. No, we haven't. Which think. is good. You probably won't, to be honest. But you know, I, I remember... I remember when Aaron told me he met you. It was ten o'clock. It was like ten o'clock in the morning. He was like, "Bobby, I went to the liquor store. There was a Scottish man there, and he gave me whiskey when I went in." And I was like, "Oh, buddy, we gotta get you. We gotta." And you know that wasn't Aaron's. It wasn't my first liquor store that morning, but I don't think it was Aaron's either. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. You're about to. That's right. That's right. It's a hard life, but somebody's got to live it. Uh, what, what is the Jura that's? Uh, that is it the super which one is um discontinued there's a couple of them that that are not necessarily discontinued but not coming to the states anymore superstition was a big fan yeah, that's the one, superstition that's the one. I then adored the origin and the yeah. origin is another one that was really good yeah. it, uh, the, the distillery itself has over the years it's kind of it was closed down for a long time and, and it reopened again and it was for for several years a couple of decades i would say actually it's trying to find its identity again um, and they've been working on and releasing a lot of different expressions, all very, very good expressions, but I think just weren't finding their exact identity. And I think they're close to that now with the expressions, the family of expressions that they have now. And the master distiller, the blender there, and the woods that he's using, Greg Glass, who is a... Uh, you should, have you had Greg on before, Greg Glass? No, 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 no. Oh, uh, we have to get Greg on. We'll, we'll chat about that offline. He is he's a wood, he's a wood freak. So he everything is about the wood with him, and and one of the expressions that we're not tasting today is actually a whiskey that's matured in seven different types of wood from France. I, seven I almost brought that one. I, I was going back and forth between I've got the Jura eighteen, I've got the Jura seven wood, and I didn't bring the seven wood because I looked at it and there was only enough left for like us to do this tasting today and i i don't love these we're not that enough. close enough no, no, i got you i don't All love right. you guys enough well so. uh now that i've been level set and where i rank in your life thanks for that but no so yeah talk, talk about the seven wood just just a yeah. little bit 
Yeah, so so Greg Glass, the, the master of the stone, our master blender uh, for Jura, um, basically, in fact, I'll, I'll give you a little side note. Um, he actually came over the States. Him and I went down to Charleston for a little while, kind of hawking our wares, and and uh, he was doing his rounds and talking to the public and stuff like that. And on the way back to the hotel that night, he stopped the car abruptly, ran into this uh, park and grabbed a piece of bark from a certain tree. I forget what it was. He's like, oh, I've always wanted to know what happened if I used a little bit of wood here and did this, did that with it. So he, he took that back to, to Scotland with him. And I, I don't know what he did with it, but that just gives you a sense of, of how into the actual wood aspect and the maturation aspect and the influence that wood has on whiskeys. He's a huge geek when it comes to that, but in such a good way. Um, and the seven wood is basically seven different types of wood from all around France, from different trees around France, that he has somehow gone into a lab with his crazy hair like Einstein and, and <laughs> produced this amazing whiskey that spent a, at least a little bit of time in one of those seven casks that was made from that wood. The seven wood is so, so good. Um, I It's one of those ones, Bobby and I will talk about this sometimes, but it's a real ride that whiskey and it's yeah. it's it's you know it's it it does have you know some some notes that sort of follow you throughout the whole thing but there's just these pops every once in a while and you don't know what's coming up next really and i that's one thing i really really like about fun. that one yeah it's yeah it's a fun whiskey it's, yeah. you know it's got some sweetness to it it's got some you know smokiness some peatiness to it and it's got it, it it's even got some like savoriness to it as well and i really dig that and i mean similar things can be said for the whole jura line but that one especially, it's just it, it's a fun it's a fun whiskey. It, it's a fun whiskey. I, I'd say it's one of my. I love Jura in general. I have a I have a lot of it. You don't see too many people um, reaching for it first, um, but I always do try to bring it up. I mean, everybody I've talked to loves it though. When you bring it up, they've all had it. They all love it. I just wish it was something that was you know we should bring it up more. Is what I'm saying. I'm I'm happy to contribute to that because yeah. anytime we've done a tasting together and Jura's been in the lineup, I get so excited yeah. for that last bit. It's a little bit of everything. It yeah. gives you that sweetness, like you said, the PD. I mean, it's got yeah. a bit of all you're looking for mm-hmm. in one bottle. Fairly affordable. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, that's the thing. You're not. I mean, spending... what the what did the eighteen here run you? Well, I bought I bought that at a charity auction, and I spent more on Jeez, it than I should have. Never mind. So, Don't like, answer that. I actually, I <laughs> actually spent a few hundred dollars on it, but you can get it for right. far less than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of Jura, um, tell us a little of the story of Jura and sort of what sucked you in there, sure, and you're going to nose the Jura 18 while you're talking. Yeah, so so just to give a little geographic reference um, on where Jura actually is, so it's on it's in the Inner Hebrides, basically off the west coast of Scotland. Um, but to get there is actually quite difficult. So most of your listeners, I would imagine, will be familiar with Isla, Lafroy, and Talisker, all those guys. Um, not Talisker, that's Sky, sorry. Um, so, and that's that's a journey in itself to get to Isla and, and taste all those wonderful whiskeys. But you can't get to Jura unless you go to Isla first. So you've got to get yourself to Isla. You head north on Isla and, and you get a ferry over to Jura. Jura uh, is about seven miles wide and 30 miles long. The ferry takes about 10 minutes to get off. It holds about four cars. So you're on your car, you cross on the ferry, onto the island of Jura, and you can only take a right. So you drive off the ferry, the, the front of the ferry lowers, you drive off, you take a right on the only road that is in Jura. There's only one road. And you stay on that road probably for about 20 minutes or so till you come to a little town called Craig House. And in this town, there are 212 people that live in, within this little community. And by the way, there's 6,000 deer on the island, just to give you a, a reference of how much more deer there are than people. 
there is one hotel, there is one bar, there is one post office, there is one shop, and there's one distillery. And that is it. The whole lifeline, the whole like blood of that community is really this whiskey that is produced there. Um, and it's, you know, it's the typical um, and very romantic. If you're imagining, imagining a little harbour town on the west coast of Scotland on an island, that's exactly what it is. There's very little there. Beautiful, beautiful scenery, hills behind you, beautiful water in front of you. If you get it on a great day, it's beautiful. Most of the days, you know, there's gale force winds blowing off the, the, the North Atlantic coast. Um, but even that has a certain beauty to it. So that kind of sets up how small this place is. So the reason I tell that story, the reason I set that up, is because I want people to realize that when they pick up that glass of Jura in front of them, have an appreciation of where it came from and what it took this tiny little community um, to get that whiskey all across the globe. And in this case, it's coming all the way to the United States through distribution channels and whatever that is. But just have an appreciation of where that whiskey is coming from and the blood, sweat, and the tears that have gone in to making it. And that, I guarantee, drinking it without that story is different from drinking it with that story. Just understanding that just makes it much more enjoyable. I had the opportunity, I talk about it a lot, but I had the opportunity to go to um, Sky when I was out in Scotland. And it, it's one of my favorite places. And on Sky, in the like, alone by or not well i was with a friend but like no one was around but us um in like the mountainous kind of area um near old man's store um we had the coila uh 18 i think it was the 18 and um it that whiskey sits with me now because of the you know the view and the 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 feeling of scotland and it has this very poetic kind of mystery behind it the whole the countryside especially that those isle areas and it just made that whiskey better and taste better so i agree with you and you told you were talking earlier about when you were doing tastings and people would stop and ask you about your shoes and where you're going next i think that's what makes that's what it is it, I, we say it all the time whiskey's the campfire that we sit around and yeah. we bond and have a conversation and, and and get to know one another our whole podcast is built on that ideology and it's the reason people listen because they want to be a part of it and they want to experience what we can and they can if they go get the bottle they taste it and then they reminisce you know about the conversations and stories and stuff like that it gives it that depth and i i want i 100 agree what if you didn't but no i want I, you're wrong um great but, radio yeah but no, it, it's it's the just the and not to get too sappy, but the the people I've met, the friendships I've developed because I'm into whiskey, you know, the people that know each other, the people that share stories with each other, and uh, the, the, uh, pe people will talk to and they'll say, and you know, we'll bring up, oh, you know, uh, so and so said this thing. Well, he didn't tell you this though, and the, you know, like just the, this whole this whole community, the whole the whole whiskey world, and I I, I think it it you know. It, it transcends more than just, you know, like scotch versus American whiskey versus this or that. It's the, it, it, it's a whole, it's the whiskey world whiskey community as a whole is just, it's a fun place to be. It's fantastic people. I, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for the people that I've met through it. And, yeah, and that's yeah. what it's all about to me. Also, we just poured some of the Jura <laughs> on a piece of chocolate cake. And fantastic. wow. Yeah. So you can also do that. And you can also do yeah. that. You can either that, have a that's fun story. Really, uh -huh. That's really what I was getting at is you should pour Jorah on chocolate cake. I, I, 
I'm a big chocolate cake, not so much, but sticky toffee pudding mm. is, which I think is, a, is a, I believe, is a Scottish dessert. At least we've claimed it. Um, but it's it's basically just spongy cake with toffee and cream on it. And oh, yes, that's where I pour my whiskey also. All right, so as uh, we we are starting to sort of come to the close of our time, but uh, Richard, that was, we'll, a, we'll do, that was such a that was that's so fast. Fun. It was an hour. It was so fast. That's how fun this was. But it's, we're one hundred percent going to have you back on again because we have so much fun with you. And me personally, sort of one of my biggest things that I wanted people to see, and one of the reasons I really wanted to have Richard on, is because I, I feel like Richard is a very good example. What one of the awesome people that we meet, you know, you're, yeah, yeah. You're, you're really into whiskey. You're, but you're into travel. You're into this, you're into that. You have a fun show. You, there's all this other stuff about you. And I, I think it's really good to point out that we're, we are whiskey people, but whiskey is part of our lives. You know, it, it, it's a big part and it's something we're enthusiastic about for sure. But the, just the, the variety and the number of people that you meet in, when you when this is you know something you're enthusiastic about is fantastic if i can jump on that for a second Aaron, and the depths to which you get to know people right i mean i feel like in all the conversations that we've had certainly since i've joined with the podcast and everybody that we've met or even just talking amongst ourselves when we kind of anchor a conversation around this common experience this shared experience it's like the barriers come down you just get to have such a more natural meaningful interaction with somebody and so the fact that we can hop on a call and granted, we've talked to you a couple of times at this point, but the fact that we can hop on a call and feel like old buddies and just kind of get into it is a beautiful thing. So yeah, hey, well, I, I have to say from your guys' point of view, it's, I've done a lot of these podcasts and, and a lot of events and, and virtual events and stuff like that. You guys make it very, very easy because it's just so conversational. In some instances, people get very wrapped up and very tight about it. And, you know, they don't want to say the wrong thing and it's all going to be perfect. But you guys are great. You guys just chat and, and it feels very comfortable and very easy. And yes, the hour went by quick. And I'm going to mention it because I know you guys won't because you're so modest. But congratulations on Uproxx. Oh, oh thank you. you guys were you guys have been putting the top 18 uh whiskey podcasts to listen to in the united states that's huge like thank huge you. congratulations thank you. well done thank wow. you richard thank you. i appreciate that we yeah. still don't know how to process it yeah, yeah. i don't yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a gr- it was a great really great write-up too and like i felt i felt like who, who's this guy talking about it's but, uh, it was great i and it is super humbling because the lists that we were a part of are some of the most talented individuals in the in the media whiskey media world yeah, sure. i mean there were some people on that list that are you know Legends. we look up to yeah. and to be it counted in that group was just i mean truly humbling well congrats well deserved thank you thank all right you. and just uh, b- before before we before we officially uh, hit the stop recording button um richard if you could real quick just tell people where to find you where to follow you when when and where can we expect season two of um leave no trace tv uh the floor is yours it's pitch time thanks buddy well you can on instagram it's at leave no trace tv on facebook it's at leave no trace tv um the show itself i'm actually really excited because we just penned some new contracts uh amazon uh, Prime aired the show for a while, but has taken it off because Apple bought the show. And it's going to be airing in uh, April, I believe, on an Apple channel called EarthX TV, um, which is all about um, the environment and sustainability and social responsibility. So it's a very you know focused audience. But also, 
we just penned with Binge TV Networks, which is basically we're going to be on every smart TV that ever gets made and goes around the globe um, on these channels, like 100 channels. It's not something you go to. It's not something you go to and you search out. But if you know, cut your cable and you're looking for something to watch on your smart TV, you can go to one of these channels and most likely going to be on there. So that comes up in a couple of months too. So very exciting stuff. But yeah, follow me for now. Follow us on uh, Instagram at Leave No Trace TV and Facebook at Leave No Trace TV. Well, that's fantastic news to end on. Congratulations to you too. There's a lot of work that went into that. So we'll just have to keep having you back to see how it progresses. As soon as I steal some of that Harris, Harris whiskey, I'll come back. <laughs> there <on>. you go. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. All right. Awesome. Cool. Cheers. Until next time. Thank you so much. All right, Chasers, that'll do it for now. If this was your first time tuning in, what took you so long? All jokes aside, we're so happy to welcome you to the Cast Chasers family, and we definitely hope you'll come back for more next week. If you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, in short, wherever you listen to podcasts. And give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cast Chasers. You can even join our Facebook group for bonus points. And if you want even more Cast Chasers, check out our website, Cast chasers.org for show notes cast chaser swag and more until next time you join us remember it's not about finding the perfect dram it's all in the chase <laughs> <laughs>